0: Blessings. This is Pastor Walter and Maribel Arias welcoming you to the podcast of God of Collins Christian Center. We hope this time is a blessing for you. Make sure you subscribe to get new messages every week. Enjoy the message and embrace what the Lord has for you. This week's message is titled Riches and Poverty by Pastor Walter Arias. Today, there are two extreme financial teachings in the Christian field, the gospel of prosperity and the gospel of poverty. We believe as pastors of this spiritual house that both are wrong. Let's listen to the message and may God bless you. The rest of the church I invite you to well you as well that you join me in a prayer please. Good God, we give you thanks for this opportunity of coming here, worshipping you and to relate as brethren and as a church in one spirit in your word, Lord God, and be able to delight ourselves with the knowledge as being in your presence all the time. And I ask you, God, that in this morning, my brothers and sisters have an ear to hear. That the disposition of their hearts be 100%. And within me, the opportunity by your spirit with boldness to share as it suits, Lord. I ask you in the name of Jesus. And the whole church says, Amen. Glory to God. And did you bring your Bibles? You know that we always do this. Let us lift those Bibles. What a good habit that we have. Lift your Bibles. Did you bring your Bibles? How good? Lift it up high. Very good. Glory. Good. Excellent. And what about your notebooks? Did you bring your notebooks? Your notebooks. Excellent. Excellent. How good. How good, disciple. Say to the person to decide your you're a very good disciple. <laughs> today, today, they exist two financial uh, teachings that are extreme, so we can understand it. They're extreme. In the Christian field, it exists the famous gospel of the gospel of prosperity or the prosperity gospel, but also the famous gospel of poverty. As pastors, we believe faithfully that the two extremes are totally erroneous and we want to see it by the word. Amen. The Bible as such does not condemn wealth and we should not do it either, but the Bible does not defend Poverty as the way towards uprightness or holiness or for salvation. It doesn't teach that either. And I want to start with a Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 2. Proverbs 22 says something very special. And if you want to read it in a loud voice, excellent. It says the rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. That's the text. Yes? Another version. Let's read it in this version. One, two, three. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. He made the rich and the poor. We can see that the presence or the absence of money is not the way in which we measure the blessings of God. Amen. At times we associate the financial blessing that God is blessing us. Glory to God. But we also the Bible teaches us that in the opposition or the difficulty, we give glory to God. And so much in the abundance, just like scarcity that the Apostle Paul would say, I'm accustomed in everything to have a lot and to have nothing. And all I can do in Christ Jesus who strengthens me because he has spoken. This man that was prudent, that was capable of doing tens, that his secular profession was that, and he helped the ministry when the church were was poor and they couldn't sustain his ministry. So from them he helped and he received financial help. So he had churches that the finances were abundant and other churches that they were poor, and he could say, in everything I'm accustomed. I can do all things in Christ Jesus who strengthens me. So the Bible teaches that there's rich people and poor people, and there's poor that are going to be rich, and there's rich that are going to become poor. And I want to use as a basic text and this teaching that is titled Riches and Poverty. Riches and Poverty. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, in the famous chapter that's called or described as... The book, the book of Hall of Fame. (laughs) Hebrews 11, verse 32 to 34, and then 36 to 38. And we're going to see, you will see in home, take notes there, the text so that in your house you could read the whole context, because I'm not going to mention, I'm going to mention other prudent men that are in the context. But I'm going to direct to this portion of verse 32 to 34. And it says, and what more shall I say? For the times would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak, of Samson, of Jeff fat. Also of David and Samuel and the prophets (laughs) who through faith subdued kingdoms. When one subdues a kingdom, they take the the booty. They take the spoils of those places and they became millionaires. They became super rich. And the Bible is saying here of these people, how they subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. They obtained promises, the promises of God for them. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. So when they would be persecuted, something would happen. A protection, a divine protection came out of weakness were made strong. So they became strong and became valiant in battle, warriors, and they turned to flight the armies of the aliens. So we're speaking of a people that are citing the the writer of Hebrews, and he is saying that type of person from the past were used by God for all these great conquests, and as such, that brought finances, position, prosperity, fame, power for them. But then in verse thirty-six, it says something. Still others still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes. And of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. Being destitute. Afflicted. Tormented. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains. In dens and caves of the earth. Oh, so another type of people of God as well, whose story of life was completely opposite of another group that we mentioned. Some, everything worked well, and others, the money followed them, and to some, they conquered kingdoms. They made a great many things of achievements, but these that we just mentioned, for the love of God, by the word of God, in the environment where they lived, in the political concept, in what they were relating to or in their time what happened was persecution anguish and religious persecution and of the same devil all around now the question is what are the two groups was of God both that's what the Bible is saying that some they gave to conquer and others they went through difficulties and I want to speak of the gospel of riches because there's the famous gospel of prosperity And before speaking of this, I want you to know that my desire is that you are all prospered in everything so that you could know as your soul prospers. That's the basic prayer. We want you to be prospered in everything like your soul is prospered. Because if your soul prospers, then when you're prospered in everything, you're not going to be arrogant, nor haughty, nor you're going to deviate from the path of the Lord. But if you prosper in things without prospering your heart, you're always going to live with arrogance. And you're going to put your eyes on your money. You're going to put your trust in the money. And when that money has gone, you're going to die in depression. (laughs) So at least that took out a little bit of a smile. So the gospel of riches. Some think that the riches is the sign of the blessing of God. And they promote what is known as the prosperity gospel. This teaching believes that you can order God to make you rich. God, in the name of Jesus, I want you to prosper me. Your word says that what my feet will step on that what I touch will be blessed so in a prayer out of a context they start to demand from God we will call to be the head and not the tail see you know it (coughs) I also know it and we start to do a series of demands from some biblical text that if you apply then you have to apply the righteousness then so we hope or we look uh that, that God prospers you as, however, and also that they give to God, you could expect a bigger financial increase in exchange and that you could spend it on anything that you want and spend it as you wish. There's a gospel, very strange, the gospel of prosperity that teaches the people that once they know Jesus, you're there to be rich from then on. And that is not a correct gospel. That is a gospel... Halfway. Why do I say half? Because there's an opportunity to be prospered in everything. But what God is looking for is that your soul be prospered. God is not interested in riches, even though he's going to allow it, that we can experience it in society, in the churches. And glory to God for that. Those that preach this type of uh, gospel of prosperity, they argument that the poor truly have not received Jesus. Listen well, there's people in the gospel of prosperity that when they see a poor person or community that's poor, they say it's that they don't have God. (laughs) Or they make a qualification, even they say, oh, is that they're living in sin and that's why they don't progress. (laughs) Have you heard something like that once before? So then you have to be very careful to not despise the churches of the Lord, because something that the Bible shows me is an apostle Paul sending letters to a bunch of churches that all manage a financial culture differently, but they were of the Lord. Those that had money, those that didn't have money, both were of the Lord. Because imagine if one, you don't have money and then now you don't have the kingdom of God in your heart. Something that if you don't prosper as a pastor, then something is wrong. And it's a thought that is very, it has a, uh, a thing that, that makes you think that way. Me personally, I believe that pastor should live well. I think that the pastor should live sound he should live organized I think the pastor has to show order in his house and himself I think a pastor or the pastors of a congregation have to want to do the things the best every day and to I think because it's going to have a greater capacity to manage a gospel of helping a great majority of people I believe, but that doesn't tell me that that pastor that if one is in a different context where there's a lot of poverty, where there's a lot of difficulty, where there's no shoes to buy, where there's no ties to be put on. So then that one is a poor pastor and financially, maybe, but it's not saying that he's not of God. Are you with me of what I'm saying? So then in this hall of fame that Hebrew speaks of, it refutes the thought that if you're poor, you're not of God, that you're in sin, because it speaks of spiritual people that were persecuted. They were, it says that they died at the sword, and they had Christ completely in their heart. Because there's people that even when one gets sick, it's happened that my wife, they've um, gotten sick, and I take advantage of this publicity. Well, she's not here, but... Uh, for the next time, she could be taking my wife, get sick or something, and they say, Are you in sin, Pastor? To my wife, they said that. Almost like the pastors, like, We can't get sick? Like the leaders of the Bible study groups can't get sick, that something can't happen, that they can't get into an accident. There's a erroneous concept with respect to this, that those that are in leadership, that leader the uh, church of the Lord in the community, that nothing bad can happen to us. Because you have an influence of a gospel of prosperity that makes you think that way, that a person that directs a congregation, that nothing can happen to them. That false theology is a contradiction with the biblical warnings because the Bible warns against avarice, selfishness, greed, idolatry, and the love of money. Why? Because if in one way it's saying that all that Christians have to be rich because then they're truly saved, they're doing what's right, then we have to look at the Bible. That what the Bible says, and the Bible says in Luke chapter sixteen. And this is the New Living Translation that I'm going to read from. So you have that. So that you could look at Luke chapter 16, verses 14 and 15. It says, the Pharisees, who dearly loved their money. They were religious leaders. They loved dearly their money, heard all of this and scoffed at him of Jesus. Then he said to them, you like to appear righteous in public. But God knows your hearts what this world honors is detestable in the sight of God those Pharisees those religious leaders of that time of the Jewish community those that manages the Sanhedrin the Hebrews that officiated that were directing the religion many were filled with money and those were the ones that contradicting Jesus and Jesus was saying in other words you have something in your heart that's so bad that your money can't reach to make God happy there's a example of something that I say to the congregation to be careful. That this saying doesn't fall upon us. So if you're the ones that don't have money or financial prosperity or an abundance. And you're going to take it, then be careful. Because there's a saying that says that money changes people. Have you heard that? That money changes people? In my land, they say different things and we always grow thinking that like maybe you know it's something rare or strange but I've never seen it but then when there's no money and you want to find money or you get money The problem is that if there's no clear foundation in your heart, a place where you're consolidated firm and you can only have the strength and firmness in someone that the Bible says, which is the rock of our salvation, which is in Jesus. Because if you're not founded on Jesus, when that money arrives, you're going to get crazy. I have the experience that to collaborate with some families from the Dominican Republic, 18 families they looked for me from a company to advise them because they noticed the ministerial work that I did in the Dominican Republic. And they said, if I could advise some families. And I said, yes, of course. I was relating with them for two years. And they said that to attend to them. And these people received millions from a lawsuit. And this family in extreme poverty, and uh, those 18 families, I count of one, Just one has done wisdom, with wisdom, something for the money. The rest of those women, of those homes, in less than a year. They had wasted more than a million dollars, each and every one of them, except for one, in less than a year. Because they didn't have money, and they got money, and they became crazy. In 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verses 9 to 10, it says. 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verse 9 and 10 says. But those who desire to be rich fall into t- what? Into temptation and a snare. Listen. And into it's not bad to want to have money. And if you can, then go and remember me. <laughs> but it says there in scripture. Those who desire to be rich fall Fall into temptation and a snare and in many into many foolish and harmful lusts. For wanting to look for money or get money, they finish with harmful lusts and foolish lusts, which drown men, women in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Notice that some are walking in faith, according to the scripture, but because of the lust for money, they started to do whatever, trying to find a better financial opportunity. And it says that they finish leaving the faith. Tell me that the Bible is not clear. Tell me then. (laughs) That being greedy, that seeking in my country, there's a saying... But, but it's like this, the youth from 14, 15 years old, they 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 become bandits, and excuse the expression, so that you can know the election, they're called thieves, and these young bandits or thieves, at 14, 15 years old, they're saying... Is that I have to get my own. When they say I have to get my own is to say I have to find money now of what I need and what I have. And that's why they become criminals from a young age. Why? Because they desire to have money at whatever cost. It doesn't matter the way because in their mind, I want to have that money. I want that money. But their heart, they say here that it says... A lust, a greediness, and many bad things and perditions. For many years as a pastor, I experienced that many, and, and for 18 years as a pastor, but I'm 27 years in the Lord, and i experienced the same thing all these years. That if something I've done, by the mercy of God, and His grace and His favor, I don't know, I can say, but maybe the responsibility... To embrace salvation. To appreciate it. It's taken me to maintain me in the way of the Lord. And to persevere in the courts of the Lord. In the things of the Lord. In the ministry. I was always a servant from 27 years ago. With my family. All my family. They started getting into the ministry. And we have never let it go. We have embraced it. We've been in two, three, four ministries. Why? Because the day arrived. That we came. uh, Wait. Poverty, we came emotionally damaged, we came spiritually dead, and Christ saved us. And in that answer, so we found the fountain of riches, which is Christ, and in a place where they showed us in a small church, then in a big church in New York. And there we got in with our mind and our heart to persevere like many. But when we were bad in so many places and we would come and bow down and pray, we would seek God, we would fast, we would pray because. We, there was this need, and with many people in this 28 years that have come with a lot of need, but then suddenly the blessing starts coming, the financial positions, the education positions, the positions and money, as soon as they start to show there's a great number of people that stop what is first and they they bring what was first to the last and they put what's last which is the position the finances as what's first in their life and they leave they stop congregating and they let go a little a ministry another ministry of area of service a responsibility now i don't congregate on sunday now the second is not to congregate it's easier so the third well oh what a freedom that i have then the fifth one i go wherever because i have no re- responsibility with anybody it is so dangerous It is so dangerous. It's like the topic of alcohol. You don't become an alcoholic from one day to the next. It's a taste every day and you end more probable in alcoholism. When? You didn't notice. It's the same thing that I'm speaking of here. People that start in the Lord and they start to disconnect of the things to be firm that help them to have a responsibility. And when they least expect it, they're living a life. Perhaps that's very comfortable with many possessions, but with a spiritual poverty and disconnection from God. And you have to be careful. The money is not bad. What's bad is the heart, how you want to administer it. (laughs) Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, he who loves silver, listen and read it. Well, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. Can we read it? One, two, three. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. My brothers and sisters, <clears throat> this has been written that analyzed their lives and of many and has stayed as a truth as all the generations in the past, present and future. We have to say that it's true. For as much as we want to be filled with something, it doesn't satisfy us. Analyze. You say one day, I want to go on vacation. I want a vacation. And you go on vacations. And then you get bored of the vacations. Don't you notice? And then you want it again. And you have it. And you notice that the vacations is not what filled your heart. Even though you need it for a moment. The same thing with books. You get into the books. The books, the books. And then more lectures and more lectures. And then you notice that something's missing still. And that's how it is with money. It's saying here that he who loves silver will not be satisfied by it. So as much riches that you have, it's not going to fill you. It's not going to fill your heart. And who loves abundance, it says here, that won't increase. And what do I want to conclude with this? That the riches themselves are not bad. Say to the person to your side, money in itself is not bad. Say it. The bad or the badness is the administration of it. To be rich, to become rich, is not to say you're a better Christian. Or to become a bad Christian, to be rich, or to become rich does not imply to be a better Christian. Or in the theology of poorness that you're already a bad Christian because you became rich. That a good education or a good opportunity or a good product can lead you to be rich. We conclude that because analyze that perhaps you and I we're not doing anything, and then there. There's an opportunity that presents itself financially while you weren't waiting. And the opportunity comes. And you see that opportunity. And now it's to let you and lead you to abundance of money. That could go and appear from the day to the night. Literally, there's people that money has fallen from heaven. A person in Manhattan. A dollar, a dollar, a dollar. And uh, that was a joke so that you get... If you didn't understand it. But literally, there's people that money falls from the heavens. There's people that don't do nothing and they receive an inheritance. And the last uncle that you died, I had an uncle and he died. Yes. Oh, wow. How sad. But he left you all this. Hey. So then a good education can take you, can take you to a financial opportunity. A good opportunity, a good product that you sell, a good invention can take you to become a millionaire, right? We also defined or we concluded that the problem lies in the attitude of the heart, that our trust cannot be put in money because this one goes and comes. This is not the true wealth, the word teaches it, and that wealth is an opportunity To bless the kingdom of God on this earth. Because if you don't do things well with your money, you're going to have emptiness in your heart. There's a way to bless God, to bless his kingdom. So, and if you're rich from night to day, you become rich. Once again, I say, don't forget us. Yes or no? Look into the person to your side and say, hey, don't forget me when you're in your glory. Amen? (laughs) It's better to battle against the temptation. This is the counsel. If one day you become rich, battle against that temptation to become arrogant and to then watch to use well your your resources. And here in 1 Timothy 6.17, it says... If you read it with me, one, two, three. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Look, if there's a warning for the rich that are already rich and those that are going to become rich, because from you, many are going to become rich. Amen. Don't say, don't be afraid to say amen. Say amen. I want you to be prospered in everything. But I'm working in your heart, in your soul, in your soul, in your soul. So you be a good administrator because who is faithful in the little will be faithful in the much because you've been faithful in the little. Then if you're not faithful with what you have, my brother and sisters, whatever you do with the salary that you have, if you're those that are not able to tithe faithfully and to honor God with your possessions, then my brothers and sisters, the day you receive more, if he allows it, you're going to waste everything because you don't have administration. Look at the person to your side and say, hey, how did that fit? <laughs> Let us apply something here then. We must be alert, alert and identify and reject the teachings of these, in the congregations, the teaching of the gospel of prosperity or the prosperity gospel that says that who is rich is the true Christian and who is poor is because he never converted or he's a person full of sin. That is not that way. Secondly, (laughs) glory to God. Glory to God. You're rich in Christ and without money, amen. Let us give an applause to the Lord. Amen. Are you rich? I'm rich in the Lord. Amen. That's what the apostle Paul said. With a lot or nothing I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Then you have the gospel of of poverty. That it also says that money and position is bad. It's preached in many places. When with new shoes, or they come and buy a food in the in the way, and you say, "How can this happen?" Ungrateful. One day, I gave testimony, being poor, but they gave me uh, three jeans in a December in New York, and listen, and I wasn't capable of even buying them. Three jeans, three pairs of jeans, and in a cell group in New York, I gave testimony that I was able to buy three pairs of jeans because I was grateful with everything, Lord. I was grateful for the cloud, for the rain, for the vapor, for everything. I like everything. I see everything good. I also see a good thing in everything. And I worked hard in Manhattan. And in the cell group, I gave testimony that I bought three pairs of Levi's (laughs) so that's a good a good genes right I'm speaking of something good (laughs) the the Levi's are the best and curiously they're not the most expensive and in that cell group I said I bought three pairs of Levi's I'm so happy and when the cell group is finished a brother calls me and tells me Walter don't do that again and I said what Don't do that. Again. And I said, what did I do? What well, you did in the soul group, what did I do? You humbled the people that were there. And how? When you said you gave your testimony of the three genes. And how did I humble them? Brother, because you made them feel bad because they don't have money. And I said, oh, come on. A gospel that invites that if you're not poor, then you're arrogant because of having something. Because you're haughty in your heart. Because you're presumptuous, because you buy something. And I think there it involves better a sin, a sin of of envy. So then this gospel instructs us to not seek poverty or riches. To not seek riches. And there in Hebrews, and with a portion that we read in verse 32 to 34, I want to take again in chapter 11 that it says... And what more shall I say? For this time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fires, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Where's that gospel then? What does that tell me? That yes, God is going to prosper. Some people, he's going to put to preside. He's going to open up business. And for as much as you de- dedicate to something, then there's another from night to day. He does it that first day, and it's well for him from there. And you at the same store 10 years, and you're like, what happened? That God was pleased that the other, that it worked for him? Are you with me? God allows some, and he does not allow to others. But that doesn't mean that you're a sinner or that you're not a sinner. And perhaps you're a bad administrator maybe the situations, the political and where you are, the conditions or the group of people that you know. There's so many things that could be there in the equation. And this so-called Hall of Fame of Faith, you could see about these heroes, these people, rich and poor, that formed the structure of our Christian history. What made them different? It wasn't... What made them different was their... Opportunity of conquest or finances or the condition on death, but they all had one thing in common that they were all from God. Are you with me? A little facts. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were men of means, of finances, of capacity. King Solomon was said to be the most intelligent and richest person in his environment in that time. You could read the the book of Proverbs and you will see and study the character of Solomon. He was the richest man and he was a son of God and Luke 8 3 it records that the rich women supported Jesus's ministry because the women, if something they did in that Christian community is to take money out of their pockets and to support the ministry of Jesus, he was sustained by the giving women, generous women, women that were financially stable. When Jesus they give uh, a bottle of uh, alabaster of perfume. It was costly. It was very costly like today. This is something totally prepared in a different way. So Jesus we see there surrounded by many rich people and who he related with. And when Jesus died, there was some rich men or rich man that found him a brand new tomb. Do you remember? And the church in Acts. In chapter two, it registers there. You're gonna see how the church was a church where there was rich and poor people and we all had in common and it says that they shared with one another in the Christian community. There's always been rich people and poor people. Rich or poor, we all have the same responsibility. Say to the person to your side, Rich or poor, we all have the same responsibility. And what is our responsibility to maintain the priorities that are correct, rich or poor? You and I as a Christian, we have to maintain the priorities. Who are they to entrust our work to the Lord? Don't be wise in your own opinion. Recognize God in all your paths so he can straighten them. That's what the word says. Commend everything which you do. Give it to the Lord. In common, we all have to say that. And the other is to avoid wasting our lives on things that won't last for eternity. Because there's many things that we put all our strengths, but they're not transcendental. They don't transcend. And there's something that we have to put our strength in our life because it, yes, brings eternal fruit. And the other is to be good and faithful stewards. The rich and the poor have to be good stewards. The the rich person in his abundance and the poor and the little that they have. Dominican Republic, one day I said it. Many didn't hear it. It's one of the churches that is the most part that we have. And there, they are sustained with what we bless them or god uses us but what also god allows in their environment but i remember going there and i always go and there would be an opportunity that i would want the tithes in the offering and the pastor would say no no we don't take tithes and offerings and i said no and she said no and i said why and i said because here the people are too poor and i said don't don't curse them how is that they're very poor is that they have nothing and i said pastor that's impossible that they have nothing you're cursing the congregation you're not teaching them the correct principles to the church and how do you want them to come out of their poverty if they don't have right priorities and they don't know how to honor god with the poverty that they have how such very simple pastor maybe they don't work but they could give you a bag of beans that they start to count all the beans and there you practice mathematics and they take the 10% of the beans and they bring it to you in a little bag and they deposit it here on this basket of love. How? Yes. And if somebody has a chicken and they laid eggs, so then be assured that that 10th, put 10 so you could take one and they bring it to you. And they said, she said, really? And I said, yes. I said, you're cursing. And that happens to a church that was very poor in Medellin. I went to preach on tithes and offerings and no. And I go and I have my ministry and I give and I give more than what we can but I came to speak and pray for tithes and offerings. They said, no, pastor, what? No. And I said, stop cursing these people. You're condemning them to poverty. You're condemning them to not doing the right things because you're not teaching them that when one sows something, sooner or later, you're going to reap what you sow. Sow uh, uh, an avocado plant, and sooner or later, you're going to eat an avocado, but sow now. (laughs) Amen? So then some of us think that because we have a a salary that is so low that we can't do what is righteous, which is giving our tithes and our offerings because it doesn't reach. But the question is, then why doesn't it reach? A person used to say, I don't have to give a tithe. And I made a question. You don't have to tithe. You don't have to tithe. Or is it that you don't tithe and then you don't have to tithe then? If you didn't understand it, watch it on YouTube. Why don't we pray? <laughs> so then, we think. I said, I don't have anything to tithe. But I went to a house in these days that I I was, I stopped myself from crying. The, the My tears were coming. There was such an emotion. I said to this person, you have to go one day when you feel good, you're going to go to church? And you're going to minister to the church. And this man giving his testament with a cancer that was that he had. And his uh, vertebrae was broken in eight places. And this person there seated was visiting and listening. And he's giving me his testimony of how he, he didn't believe in tithing. And his wife, yes. So when his wife congregate and wanted to give the tithes he would get mad he would say how so one day he converted and God converted that part of his heart and he started to tithe and to offer and when he gets sick this man starts to say this and I say, Lord what is he going to show me this person gets sick and he says pastor and the sickness what hurt me the most is that I wasn't going to have with what to tithe or offer and I said what? What's this? What faith is this? And I continue hearing, and he says, You know what I did, Pastor? I made a decision with my wife, and I said, Let us look to minimize the cost of the things that we don't really need. And he says, Pastor, I don't have a television. I have it there, but I have no cable. I'm not connected with anything. I have the antenna from Walmart, the 35. And I said, Yes, so do I. Pastor. We don't use this. We don't use that. We don't use this. You know why? Because my budget, if I waste on, oh, I pay on something more then I have to take away from the tithe, and I'm not going to risk that. It's better that I take everything from my extras, but the portion of the Lord. Do you know that I went to minister to him, and now, you know how it came out? I was like, whoa, wow, what is this that is so impressive? What faith that is so great in this man? So then three things that we have to consider in responsibility and priorities, it's to commend our work to the Lord to avoid wasting things in our life that doesn't last for eternity and to be good and faithful stewards. Remember, we all have something to tithe. You tithe from what you have. Don't have the need of tithing from what you don't have. You tithe from what you have. If you got a hundred, you take $10 out and there and you live happy with 90 but what you buy that it be good for that 90% listen to me if you are uh, earning 2000 then you tithe 200 the federal is going to take a portion and the state and the social security they're going to take their portion right because that's how it's worked the tithe is of God and what is Caesar's of Caesar's they start to take what's theirs are you with me but look at this you need to be clear that the rest that is left over you have to live a life with wisdom I bought a cell phone I bought a cell phone every time the church is say pastor change your cell pastor when are you going to change your pastor so I bought a cell in this these days but it was I put a, a, a because I had a problem with WhatsApp and with certain things on my cell phone and the cell phone I had was not good so I said what a problem so I made the decision to take that so I sold some I returned some that they had lent me and I bought one I'm gonna buy a cell phone because I deserve it isn't that how the children of God say yes I deserve this you don't say amen (laughs) he says oh what is he gonna say I'm not gonna say amen allow me to take a little bit of water Imagine that I'm going to say this And forgive me Forgive me I don't want to With this To speak of any of you I want you to receive If it Is good for you For something And I went There to the church uh, Sorry to the store And I looked at the cell phone And I said this is it (laughs) You know how the cell phones How much they cost today right Right $1,200, $1,100. $1,200, $1,100. Yes or no? Did you know that? That's what it's costing. And so I went there and I saw the cell phones at the store. And I remembered something that I have always practiced. And it's that here in the United States, and although they're very sharp, and I have to say, and maybe this will help you, the companies here make things In a month they make another new product. So technology is there, it's everywhere. But they don't let it go all at once. So they put a telephone with a camera. Then after they put the same phone with a little bit of more memory. The same phone with a different connector. So you could change connectors. So now the connector that you always had that you work now they change the connectors. Have you not noticed that? So you have to throw all those cables or you use it to tie your shoes (laughs) Uh, and there they take out three cameras now three cameras on a cell phone with three cameras i saw a person and i said what's that is that what is that what is he gonna do three cameras and i said well one is enough and what a difference no now you take the picture so I amplified my <laughs> Anyway, so whoever wants to buy and who can, whoever wants and who can, but not those for the children of God that are intelligent. Listen to what I'm going to say that administer well their money, because if you have with what to buy it, amen, you're a child of God and you can buy it. Listen well, I'm not insulting you. I said that you're intelligent. So listen, well, you can buy it. The question then is, where are you going to take away from to be able to buy what the fashion or the time wants to bring you? What are you going to take away from, from dinner? Are you going to take from the insurance that you have to pay or not be with health coverage, but would have the latest cell phone, which they're going to have maybe in a little two months. I'll have four cameras now. So yours will be obsolete. Are you with me? What are you going to take away from? Where are you going to take from? Because from one way, you're going to have to take away because you already have a budget. You have now, they even have a telephone lease. What a capacity these companies have. They're renting phones to people. So... You have an account for a lifetime that you could change it in a year. And I'm saying this, those that have the financial money, then you get, Then you're giving a blessing from Metro PCS or whatever company they're winning and gaining. And I understand that that money helps. But I'm saying those that are complaining that I'm poor, I'm saying to those that are maybe poor, that they be careful. Because if you're buying... If you're going to be impulsed by the pressure, if you're going to be uh, going under that peer pressure by the people and by the oppression of the children, give them an Atari. An old Nintendo. Don't get into so many things. Are you understanding? And forgive me that I'm saying this because somewhere you're going to have to take from. And then you're going to say, oh, I don't have to tithe because my salary only gives me exact for what's mine. But yes, but what was your priority then? Are you with me? What was your priority? And then you think, oh, you want that God blesses you, that God answers you, that if it's true, that if you offer or sow, you're going to reap something. But then why doesn't it work? Because many times is that we're doing something wrong. We're administrating wrong. Are you with me? And I'm going to conclude. Last week, I thought with Martin Luther. And the 16th century, this theologian wrote. And I took it. It says, like, that there are three conversions that a person must experience to be fully committed. This is words from Martin Luther in the 16th century. There's three conversions that a person... Must experience to be fully committed. First, a conversion of the heart. That's a total trust. Second, a conversion of the mind. A renewed mind in Christ. And the third, a conversion of the handbag or your wallet. (laughs) Your finances. And many of us convert in our hearts. We believe in Jesus with our heart. We appreciate the word. But we don't convert that handbag pocketbook or wallet and that's part of a bad administering and I'm going to say that Martin Luther said it he just I'm just repeating it a sensible prayer would be this one Proverbs 30 it fits to everybody Proverbs 30 verses 8 and 9 a prayer that is sensible can you read it with me please say to the person to your side don't get sad say that don't be sad all right And what does it say there? Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Oh, that's a prayer that they showed me 27 years ago. My pastor said, read that and learn it. Oh, Lord, maintain me. Of the daily bread that's needed. And I always say. And if you can. A little bit more. But with that. I don't believe that God. oh, uh, That's understanding. Is that he sees a heart that doesn't want to be damaged. And the day that it receives. Will appreciate it. And will continue appreciating what God does. Amen. Amen. And that's a sensible prayer. Amen. And the last. Is a sensible lifestyle. Yes. And with this. Is the text of what I had spoke of the phones and more. Let us read Proverbs 21:17. Proverbs 21, 17 before we read it. Is there anyone receiving something today? Yes, amen. Proverbs 21:17 says, He who loves, read it. He, you have it. No? He who loves, I'm gonna say this text: he who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine, he who loves pleasure will be a poor mind, and he who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Perhaps you could find it, and you put it there. Listen well. The word speaks in a historical context where the wine was very costly, where the perfumes or the oils were very costly. Today it's not that costly a wine, and today it's not costly a lotion, 30, 50, 70. But there's something that is very costly today <clears throat> the cars, the homes, technology that is very costly today. And if you love technology, then be careful if you don't have the finances well you're going to become poor seeking technology because every day they're going to come with something new so then I I buy the latest phone the telephone that was they paid 800, 900 for it in their moment and I hope that that goes out of style and I bought it for 135 dollars thank you God woo (laughs) What is the difference? It wasn't the best for so many years ago, but it helps me with what I need because I can assure you that the telephone that you buy tomorrow or the next day from here, maybe one or two, I'm going to give all everything and not go to work or sleep so that they can understand that phone. That's why they call it a smartphone because it has a lot. You have a computer there. But one uses it. They buy three cameras for one thing. For what? And to send it through (laughs) WhatsApp. Praise Jesus. And this morning... I am hoping that you and I can be prospered in everything. Amen. I desire that you become rich, but not arrogant. I desire that you find money and earn money. Yes. But also I say some prayers, Lord, this person don't let them find money because they have a damaged heart and they're going to become ungrateful. I say that to my Lord. I tell you the prayer that I lift up to some. I say, Father, slow them down because of what they're doing. (laughs) And I say, Brother, why haven't you congregated? They say, it's because I have two jobs. And do you want me to pray so that God removes one? Yes, I tell them that. Do you want me to pray so that God takes one away? So then administer your finances well. But don't take a wave that is from God. Don't take a wave that gives you life. Start to be more intelligent. Fill yourself of the Lord and the rest will be added. How many give the glory to the Lord? Please stand, church. Allow me to pray. Lift your hands for a moment. Lift your hands. I ask that you lift your hands. Father, I ask you for these lifted hands. A blessing for them, Lord as your word says that what they touch and what they step on be blessed Lord that they be hands to work to do labor to caress to bless hands that can be used to progress in everything that they can as your word says that everything within our reach that we can do it but I ask Lord for their lives for their hearts so that they can be kept sound and not ungrateful It could be They're knocked down The proponent Heart for a Financial Can be Taken down from the heart That haughtiness And better give them Lord Humbleness To those that are Embracing more finances Those that have it Give them humbleness. And, Lord, for those that are in need, prosper them. But first the heart, so that they don't separate from the blessing. I bless them. I bless their lives. I bless their bodies. I bless their families. I bless their generations. I bless the work of their hands, their business, their studies. All that they do, I cry out that it be you go before them, Lord. And in everything, in every conquest, and in every pain, that they give you all the glory and all honor. And all praise, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. And the church of the Lord says, amen. Give it to the Lord greatly. Praise God. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to look for us in the social networks such as Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Search under the name Dios de Pactos Florida. We hope this message has edified you. And please share with others. Have a wonderful day.